The Lonely Office, your playbook for navigating the messy line between work and life. Our topics are sourced from real, anonymous workplace conversations happening within Glassdoor communities. From bosses that hold you back to promotions that you don't even want, we discuss timely work-life issues so you don't have to brave the professional world alone. I got a story for you. All right. Let's hear this one. This one's about Jamie. Jamie's performance review didn't go very well, Matt. She was told by her bosses that an improvement in her comms and her presentational skills in front of C-suite executives was a must. That, That is important. Well, she loved the job and she couldn't afford to lose it. So she decided to look for a career coach. Jamie found an influencer who kept coming up in her feed and was promising amazing results. After her initial excitement, when she got signed up, the coaching sessions, some of the feedback included, spend more time prepping for your presentations, (laughs) try to rehearse in front of a mirror. And this one was really groundbreaking. Eat a healthy breakfast. (laughs) So it's groundbreaking advice from this career coach. But listen, when Jamie kind of voiced her concerns, the coach said, listen, it's all part of the process. Six months go by, and she was really excited for her next performance review. But Matt, not only did Jamie's performance review go badly, her bosses also said they didn't see much of an improvement from the previous six months. And here's the worst part. Shortly after the review, Jamie was let go. Uh. Not only is Jamie out of a job, but she's also out six grand from paying her career coach. Listen, Matt, this is a pretty extreme story here, and we're going to have kind of a healthy debate. This isn't the norm. It's kind of a shocking and a great way to spark this conversation. Yeah. Well, let's not take it for granted that it's not the norm. I think there's, by estimates, over 70,000 professional coaches certified and uncertified worldwide. I think 20,000 in North America. And who knows what's the norm? That actually might be the case study for a lot of professionals. <laughs> Wait, so you're saying you think this could be the norm across the board? The numbers aren't out yet? The cohort might be contaminated? <laughs> I honestly don't know. What I know is my own personal experience. Let me just kind of quickly, just a quick story. And I want to introduce our guest. I'm really excited to introduce. But I would say my run-ins with career coaches or executive coaches really kicked off and was triggered once I began my entrepreneurial career. And I I guess I placed on my LinkedIn profile, CEO, I immediately became a target. And I would say on a daily basis, inundated by career coaches from all types of backgrounds, frankly, sometimes I don't necessarily understand their backgrounds, but really aggressively fishing me and hunting me to pay some of their fees and take on some of their lessons. Yeah, you sent me a screenshot last night, actually, in prep of this. You, just as an example, right? Yeah, yeah. So just here's, here's one line that from just one of the hundreds that come through on a monthly basis. My clients and I do this. He's talking about his career coaching services. My clients and I do this by first getting clarity on their most audacious vision. This is the CEO's vision, of course. Unpacking exactly what's in the way and establishing actions that will get them there in the smoothest possible way, all in alignment with their core values. So it seems a lot about like goal achievement and I could just read through the entire cold pitch here, but lacking in my opinion on a bit of substance. Mm. So you didn't return this message? No, (laughs) nor did I return the four or five follow-ups they made in the LinkedIn email thread. (laughs) Turning the page, Aaron, I'm really excited to have Cindy Gallup join our show today to talk about career coaches. Cindy is a advertising consultant and founder 
of the U.S. advertising firm BBH. She's also the founder of We Ran the World and Make Love Not Porn. Her tagline is, I like to blow shit up. I am the Michael Bay of business. And I can testify to that fact because she was, in fact, an advisor to Fishbowl in her early days and really played a pivotal role just advocating for us and giving us some credibility when a lot of the industry wasn't. We should say she's a career coach too, so perfect guest for this topic today. Thanks, Matt. I'm thrilled to be here. Starting with the pandemic till now, what is the current state of career coaching in terms of the proliferation, how many coaches are out there, the need that it serves on a more holistic level? I'm going to share some data points, Cindy, and I think it'll, it'll lead us right into the conversation, namely about the market, because that's really what's happened here. Career coaching has gone from a profession of individuals that haven't really consolidated to something that's quite consolidated in the market and grown to almost represent its own vertical or own industries. There's a organization, nonprofit, called International Coaching Federation, ICF. I think it's the gold standard of certifications when it comes to career coaching. So according to a 2020 report, there's an estimated almost 70,000 professional career coaches worldwide, almost 23,000 in North America. A lot of this information can just be rummaged online. $3 billion industry, which is not surprising because being in the startup industry, the tech industry, I know a number of platforms and startups that have raised money around this space. So it seems to be pretty lucrative. There was a really timely New York Times article right after the pandemic The quote was, COVID really took the Band-Aid off the certainty that people were living with. So many of us were just going through life and our work routines, and then the pandemic hit and made us re-question our goals in life and the idea of work-life balance. And I think that led a lot of people to do a bit self-discovery and led them to career coaches, or at least that part of the market in the industry. And final point here on Fishbowl, the number of conversations that either deal with career coaching, or at least if you just go into threads... It seems like every other thread has a response which says, well, you know, maybe you should see a career coach to get that question answered. So that's just a bit of the background. And I I think it makes it a timely topic to kind of dig into. Cindy, what's your initial take to the story that you heard that we led with? And then this data points that kind of sets us up for the rest of the conversation that Matt just laid out. So I'm going to give you an extremely subjective perspective on this. I operate a personal coaching practice myself and have done for many years. I support myself alongside my entrepreneurial business as a paid public speaker, consultant, and coach. But I would say that in my view, the vast number of career coaches and build as such are useless and unnecessary. And I say that because based on my own personal experience of coaching people, the very implication of career coach is that what needs to change to progress in your career is you. And in my experience, it's not you that needs to change, it's your work circumstances. On the one hand, I've been operating a personal coaching service for many years since I left the corporate advertising world. But actually, I've been working in advertising for 38 years, and that means that I have effectively been a career coach for around 36 years, which is ever since I began having other people working into me. And what I mean by that is everybody is and should be a career coach, whether they know it or not. Because the moment in your career, you are tasked with having other people reporting into you That is when you begin your career as a career coach. 
the moment you have other people reporting into you, you do everything you can to further their careers. Somebody like Jamie is honestly hung out to dry by her company because you absolutely do not tell someone that they are lacking in presentational skills and communication skills without then organizing within the company how you're going to address that, organizing with the employee a performance improvement plan where you are going to help them and together you're going to get them to the desired standard. I find that absolutely appalling that from your anecdote, she was left to her own devices as to what on earth she did about that. But the problem first and foremost is that many people are not actively evaluating those employees on their strengths first and foremost and making sure that together you achieve the goals within the company that you're setting for that employee versus them having to resort to career coaches. Right. It seems, Cindy, that the discipline that is career coaching and whatever methodology, if a methodology actually exists and you can actually go into the certification programs and figure out what it is. But it seems what you're saying is companies, specifically managers at companies, should be embodying some of that discipline to the benefit of their juniors And in the absence, in the void of their management, their leadership, you're kind of forsaking these juniors to find these really bad alternatives. Absolutely. But just to push back on one element, what I've seen is at startups, for example, you are in a scenario where sometimes you run into candidates that just you mishired or they didn't have the skills that you thought they had or, you know, maybe they oversold themselves. And, you know, you might put some time initially to correct the course, maybe to level them up in ways that can help the company and help themselves. But equally, time is really important startup and you might find yourself in a position where like you can't. So is it that you feel the expectation is always on the company and its leaders and its managers to provide this value? Or are there cases where it's reasonable to say that, no, this is not going to be on the company or this is not going to be on the management? Yes, Matt, the responsibility is always on the company. And if you've hired an employee at a startup and they're not working out and you've given them every chance, then fire fast. Right. All my biggest career mistakes have come when I gave people too many chances. I didn't fire fast enough. But that being said, going back to your anecdote about Jamie, one piece of information I want is, was exactly the same feedback about lack of good communication skills and lack of good presentational skills given to the men at the same level as Jamie in that company? Because we all know that women get way more negative feedback and very different negative feedback to men. And those comments can be utterly arbitrary. This is why I say often what doesn't need to change is you. What needs to change is your work circumstances. Usually, my coaching clients only ever need one hour-long session with me. I don't sell packages of monthly sessions. And that's because... Many of these career coaches are focused on telling you what to do, and they have exactly the same impact as a self-help book, which is while you're listening, while you're reading, you're going, oh, yeah, this is really great. You finish that self-help book, you put it back on the shelf, and it has zero impact on your behavior going forwards. Okay? Equally, career coaches say things, and it does not change fundamentally your behavior. So my focus as a coach is very much on... I don't tell you what to do. I enable you to see how you can do it for yourself. A really great coach, and we're talking about, I mean, I personally hate sports analogies. 
Okay, I've grown up in the bloody male-dominated advertising industry where I've had more goddamn sports analogies than I ever want to hear in my life again. I'm taking note right now, taking note. But nevertheless, <laughs> that is what a coach in sports does because you can coach the player to the point where they hit the field knowing what they need to do, but only they can do it. Okay, and right. I do not see enough career coaches understanding that. Going back to Jamie's anecdote, my first initial question to move us along here had nothing to do with company culpability. I think that speaks to the fact of my horrific experience with company culture for the first 10 years of my career, frankly, because it's not even in my thought process that a company should have your support. In my experience, and this is why I've been on my own for three, four, five years now, is because for me, you were on your own. Company culture was just a handbook and it was a pat on the back and it was nice words, but there wasn't actual leadership that you describe in a way that helps you level up, like actual coaching within your experience at the company. Just to push back here a bit. So I've spent majority of my career just building companies. And in between those companies, I've worked at companies. And in as far as building companies, I've relied extensively on a network of, I wouldn't call them career coaches in the startup world, they call them advisors, mentors. And from the very beginning, my very first startup I was out there seeking mentors, bumping into people who've done it before, kind of soliciting their support. And I'll be very open in saying I would not have been successful at all, having experienced any decent amount of success if I didn't have the support of those early mentors and advisors who came on and just showed me, this is how you build a company. This is how you build a team. And I wonder in that scenario, it takes an individual who's actively soliciting it. And in a company... I feel that there should be a bit of a responsibility on the employee as well. I think it's a shared responsibility, in my opinion, where the company should be managing, and there's definitely a void of that happening. But at the same time, I would say if the individual isn't finding it, they should be soliciting it. And in fact, they are. Like I think the fact that this industry has boomed to $3 billion a year shows that there's a lot of demand that these young millennial or whatever demographic they are, they are in search. And I love the fact that you said this, the vast amount of career coaches in your opinion, are just it's like malpractice. I think you're in a unique case because you built companies, you have expertise in your field of marketing, advertising. And so even if you don't coach on that discipline, you can call upon that experience. But a lot of career coaches don't. But back to the point, I think there should be some responsibility on the individual professional too to try to solicit this. I come from a different perspective on that. At every agency I worked at, and this is pure luck, I can count the number of female bosses I had on the fingers of one hand, two. Okay, I worked predominantly for men, but I worked for men who saw my potential before I did, believed in me, wanted me to succeed, championed me and gave me every opportunity to do so. And I say that that was luck because that is not the experience of most women in our industry. And so I absolutely agree, Matt, the women in our industry are forced to find advisors and coaches beyond the male-dominated hierarchies that don't give a shit about them, unfortunately, this can't all be left to the companies. And that is why I also say the implication of career coach, again, implies that you need to be fixed in some form or other. And often you don't. It's your environment. We can move into maybe zeroing in on the POV of the career coach 
I'm from the Midwest, so I'm all about sports analogies. But you're right. A coach can only do so much, but then an individual has to then at least make the play. There's a level of execution that has to happen, right? And I was thinking about the anecdote with, with Jamie and thinking about, well, she did seek help. Clearly, she sought help from the wrong career coach. Matt, you've referenced it before as like a cottage industry. But listen, we know there's a myriad of bad actors, but the need is very clear. Just to reflect what you just said, another pretty powerful and humorous quote from the New York Times article was, these career coaches are like personal dream catchers rather than data crunchers, relying on the powers of journaling, body work, and stream of conscious voice memos. Now, this leads into my own personal, more narrow experience of what I consider to be a career coach. I already kind of let off with the fact that most of the mentorship I've had has happened within a industry, a startup industry, a startup model. And what's interesting about that is there is a framework already at place, the standards of the way that mentorship transacts and progresses over time with that mentor. And so let me get specific here. If you're launching a certain company or application or business, and you're calling upon mentorship or advisors in, let's call it the, the broader tech industry, there are hundreds, if not thousands of advisors who built I would say products or businesses or have had business models similar to your own that you can call upon. So right off the bat, there's a bit of substance there from my perspective where you're calling upon someone who perhaps has built something in healthcare, if that's where you're approaching it, or perhaps has built something in HR, if you're building a career coach platform. And when you're brokering this advisorship or this mentorship, this person, this career coach actually has domain experience, expertise. I would qualify that as one difference. One other point. The economics. So the economics of the model for advisors, it's very clear cut. It's equity, right? It's by and far, yes, sometimes they're fees based, but for the most part, the tradition is there's a healthy percentage stock option equity grant given to the advisor that vests or basically accrues to the benefit of the mentor or the advisor over a course of two, three years, which is pivotal for two reasons. A, usually when you're starting up something, you don't have much cash to offer, but also it aligns incentives, right? So this career coach or mentor advisor now only benefits if you benefit, right? There's no fees. And so I'm not saying this model can be scaled and can work for career coaches. It might be apples and oranges, but what I am saying is the economics of the model and the very market where it's more segmented by industry, to me, it gives it substance. The feedback is not going to be like, hey, rehearse in front of the mirror right? It's going to probably be like, let me show you how to build a forecast model if you're projecting revenue as an HR tech company. Okay, that feels meaty. And so I come at this a little cynically. Matt, just to clear, are you saying in the best case scenario, a mentor, advisor, career coach, that the business model should be more about giving advice and that the fee model should be equity, stock options, things like that? Are you saying that you have an inherent problem with the way that coaches charge for their time? Well, look, you just look at the broader ed tech industry, right? So if I were to ask you, what's a more successful model that accrues to the benefit of the learner? Kaplan, Princeton Review, or Khan Academy? I challenge you to ask that question to any high schooler or even college student. And hands down, nine out of 10 will say Sal Khan's Khan Academy, which is a subsidized program. I understand you can't always do that, right? So first of all, as a bootstrapping entrepreneur, I'm all about cold, hard cash, my coaching services. There are a ton of us who do coaching who cannot afford to take in-kind payments, equity, etc. As I like to put it, I'm not cheap, but I'm extraordinarily good value for money. There is absolutely tons of room for best-in-class specialists in different aspects of coaching. 
Now, I want to provide a counterpoint to what Matt's just said, because yesterday I um, did three personal coaching sessions with three different clients. And I want to highlight the benefit of actually getting advice and perspective and input from somebody who is not a domain expert. And I say that because yesterday I coached a hardcore techie and he wants to launch his own coaching consultancy practice in a more coherent way than the ad hoc way he's been doing to date. And I am not a hardcore techie. I'm I'm a non-tech founder. And I saw a huge opportunity for his startup he had not seen. And so was able to say to him, position it like this. This is how you sell it. Very differently to the way he'd been thinking about it. I would argue that building companies and being a founder is domain expertise. And so in the case that you just said, you built three or four companies over the course of your career, you're a founder and you've done it, you've built it. I speak to more of the frustration of what I see where, particularly with the International Coaching Federation, and they have a whole certification program where looking at this program, Cindy, you probably qualify for master coach because you've done over 2,500 hours. There is an associate coach level at 60 hours, but you're well beyond that. But the, the point being is an influencer who not quite sure what experience, lived experience this influencer brings, if they've actually built a company. And I think that's where the cottage industry comes into play. When you apply marketplace economics here and lack of definition and standards, it almost gives permission for the influencer to come in and say, hey, CEO, C-suite, you having problems, you know, gaining confidence? I just get puzzled when I see that some of these influencers are reaching out to me. I completely concur, Matt, because again, many years ago, and I'm not going to name names, I was at a conference, an event that is um, actually very well known and is held for coaches and life coaches. And I remember sitting at dinner next to a young man and I was asking him what he did. And he said, oh, I'm here because I'm going to be a life coach. And he was 23 years old. (laughs) And I'm thinking, what the hell? And by the way, this conference and company, again, I'm not going to identify them, but they make a huge amount of money selling courses and training to people like him who think that this is the way to make a ton of money easily. And how the hell are you going to be a life coach when you're 23 years old for crying out loud? (laughs) Right. What we know is that there's a clear need out in the world, not just after the pandemic, but pre-pandemic. This is a human need for not only growth, but for advancement. We also know that there is a large industry here of people who are, let's just say for lack of a better term, bad actors, meaning they're using their influence on social media, gained, whether it was rightfully gained or or just by happenstance, and trying to then leverage that maybe in areas of domain that they don't have expertise in, and then kind of posing as a life coach or a career coach. I would just say to everybody listening, in whatever capacity you are looking for and finding a coach and advisor, there's one very simple criteria, which is that when you leave a session with them, you should feel way more confident and optimistic in your abilities versus even more stressed, anxious, and fearful. That's it. That's fair. Cindy, thanks for your time today. Listen, for anybody listening right now, there's a lot more to unpack here because I know as a listener, there's so many more themes here just around the bend that we're going to dive into. But it was refreshing to have a credentialed career coach talk specifically to the benefits of when it's done the right way, but at the same time, really acknowledging the large amount of fluff or bloat that's out there. I think it's just reaffirming our suspicions in many ways. The fact that she's attended a conference and that story of that 23-year-old. is a life coach. Who's lived 23 years of life and is a life coach. A lot of coach. wisdom there. Yeah, a lot of wisdom. That's absolutely gold. And I think it's valuable because it is coming from someone who is credentialed, who in fact has built 
and founded companies and lived life and is beyond qualified to coach. And the fact that an insider is pretty much telling us like, yeah, my experience having run in with career coaches is, and she didn't say majority, but a lot of the folks she's met, not only not certified, but frankly, haven't lived enough years on this earth. Okay. So the thing I want to push back on, yes, we have to acknowledge there's a lot of bad actors in there. And maybe that's a result of the pandemic. Maybe that's a result of social media, which we'll get into here. Maybe that's a result of a lot of things, but there is a real need for continuing education. And just like you said, it's an education conversation. It's a conversation about after graduate school ends or your bachelor degree ends or your vocational, whatever your degree is, we don't stop learning. So the need is always there. The question is, where do you go for that? I approached this topic initially thinking the market is a population of lost professionals, meaning they don't have a a map to navigate by. And I think what Cindy brought into perspective here is it's not just about professionals who are lost. It's also about professionals who were misled or put in a position to doubt their abilities when they shouldn't have been. And that admittedly wasn't something I was considering going into this. And I I think in as far as we're talking about that demographic, you see a definitive need. And it seems like her career coaching is fitting that need. But on the other side, back to like these lost professionals, the companies aren't providing the managing up discipline and methodology or the leadership to give them direction. And so they're resorting to finding an influencer on Instagram. I want to call them naive, but I also want to say, hey, at least they're trying. They're looking for support. Yeah, but let me get your thoughts on this. See, I think the condition of the lost professional is just another condition of the lost human. Meaning whether your journey is that which leads to a professional career, and that's where you're focused on, or whether your life manifests into something where maybe you're born and you have a genetic disposition to alcoholism or addiction. And then once that becomes an issue in your life, you then spend the next 20 to 30 years of your life or more learning to recalibrate. Yes, you need a job, but your primary, your paramount focus of your life is how do I live a sober life? I'm just using this as an example The difference is back to kind of what is this person? Is it a career coach or life coach? And I actually don't like conflating this concept of lost human or lost humanity and lost professional for the simple reason. You don't think there's intersectionality there? I think there is, but I don't think it's healthy. As a professional, there is a very concrete goal that you have, which is survival. And your desire as a professional is to make wages and level up in your career for that purpose. Mm. And that definition, in my opinion, applies to the framework of career coach. So if that's what it means, then a career coach needs to help you do that, right? And if they're not doing that, but they're rather a dream catcher providing you inspiration or motivation, that's a life coach, right? And I think we need to disassociate these two because otherwise when you conflate them, it just muddles the whole market. This is probably why this industry has become a cottage industry because people have conflated the two and of this $3 billion a year that's being spent, yeah, I'd, I'd probably imagine maybe 50% of them should not be classified as career coaches. They should be classified as unlicensed therapists. Yeah. So let's get into the difference there. My point of view is that they are interlinked whether they like it or not. And that doesn't justify bad actors utilizing uncertified or unfounded techniques to coach people. That does not justify that. I'm just saying the career coach in that case simply should classify and sell their services properly. That's it. In that case, well, then sell your services as a life coach or as a Tony Robbins or as a prophet, whatever you want to call it. But you're not a career coach 
unless you're providing services that in a concrete way allow this professional to land stints at jobs to progress their career to make wages. Ah, uh, okay. Even though it can be looked at through a lens of scrutiny, you're not saying there's not a place for a Tony Robbins out there. I'm not there. saying there's not a place. I'll get a 30-second clip from Tony Robbins. I'm fired up, Matt. I'm freaking <laughs> fired up. Listen, but I'm not going to Tony Robbins for tactical advice on how to hook my next client for podcast consulting, whatever, right? One more point. So schools, primary, secondary education, high schools, and colleges, universities, they all have accreditation, right? The Higher Learning Commission or something like that, right? Many yeah, of there's them. some regulating body or bodies, either state or federal, that accredit these universities and these colleges. And these are institutions of learning. Now, no one's saying career coaching is an institution of learning, but it is a pillar of learning. Western tradition has been built on mentor-mentee model, starting with Socrates and Plato. And that's the Western tradition. And so, yeah, learning is being delivered from a coach to a person Maybe there should be some level of accreditation in that case as well. You did cite that there is some sort of a coaching body that you can get. The nonprofit. Yeah, yeah. We, we talk this nonprofit. <laughs> I mean, I'm not sure if it's the same thing as the Higher Learning Commission. Aaron, right? you definitely <laughs> qualify. So they're associate certified coach. All you got to do is you got to lay down $800, complete 60 hours of coaching. Bam, you got the associate certified coach, ACC badge from the International Coaching Federation. So let's look at our sympathies here for Jamie and maybe use that as a, a larger view for the lost professionals, you said. Hey, Jamie forked out 6K. This is something that hasn't been talked about. She did this course for six months. I'm not trying to be the pull yourself from your bootstraps kind of person, but there is a level of accountability. At some point, when someone's telling you to eat your Wheaties when you sign up for career coaching, you got to end it, right? She's paying 1K a month, whatever that fee to cancel, get out of there. But I think going back to the story, I believe the career coach said something like, hey, this is just kind of how this process works. Like lend yourself to the process. And she went along with it. Right. Like part of that's on Jamie that you continued on with this stuff. This is ridiculous. I'm sure Bernie Madoff and SBF, <laughs> Sam Blinkman fried probably said similar, <laughs> lend yourself to the process. <laughs> the more we unpack this, is, is, you know, the more I'm convinced there's pyramid scheme Amway dynamics <laughs> to this thing, <laughs> starting with the International Coaching Federation. I think the individual needs to take on some responsibility. I don't debate with the point that Cindy was making, which is different professionals have different experiences at companies. And yes, if you're a person of color, or you're a female professional, you're more likely to have a skewed reality of your abilities. I'll tell you, even in my own career, the times that I worked for large companies, I've been told that I don't play nice in the sandbox. Why? Because I'm a hustler, man. I like to pitch ideas, and sometimes those ideas cross over into waters that don't belong to me. And some people feel I don't play well because I have the interest that goes beyond just my box. And I left companies. I mean, I tend to just build my own for that reason, because companies, they're not a cradle of innovation. And so you don't have to be a person of color and you don't have to be a female professional to also feel alienated and have a, a reality that's skewed by corporate America. Just ask any entrepreneur because the vast majority yeah. of them have left for the exact same reason. I said that earlier. I was telling my experience in the corporate or company space, and maybe it's the luck factor. I just drew the wrong cards. My experience was not good. It was empty. It was void. It was hypocritical. It was creatively stifling. And now, by the way, some people are saying, I love my career. That's great. For me, hell no, man. It was a means to an end. I went in there, put on a clown mask every single day, pretended right. using my skills. And you know what I was doing, man? I was building my own shit for a decade so that I was waiting for the moment, waiting to be able to get off of this ship with infested with rats 
to go and live my own life <laughs> and do things my way, like Frank Sinatra said. But one thing about this 23-year-old life coach that we've been referencing here that's emerged as a character, no offense, but what about career coaching as a viable career option for young professionals? You've talked about sort of almost like a sacred tenet of education and how we should approach it from a funding standpoint. But what are your thoughts around young professionals in their 20s and 30s who goes, you know what? I have a few of these attributes and I feel like I can help someone do this. I can be a career coach. I'm pretty old school on this. I do think you need to have some lived experience and or transacted, sweated for knowledge that you're bringing to a relationship where you're the giver and there's a taker. I mean, when we started building Fishbowl, immediately we recognized that what this really was, it's a social network, sure, but what it was, it was a marketplace of givers and takers. The givers were the people with the answers and the takers were the people wanting the answers, asking questions. And that doesn't work if the, the givers don't have valuable responses or valuable answers. I think anonymity helped kind of grease the wheel. So back to the point, I'm kind of old school here. If you're a 23-year-old, Unless you're literally consulting or career coaching on the paradigm of navigating corporate America as a Gen Z, like maybe there's something unique about that young Possible. professional experience that this 23-year-old knows better than a 34-year-old, and I'm not going to hold it against them. No, like Zoom calls and remote work, Matt, right? Right. You don't reach $3 billion in revenue unless there's something psychological, something emotional. I feel what's happened, and you hit it, this thing has become conflated with therapy and confidence, all really important stuff. I'm not minimizing that, but I would argue that that's not career coaching. Again, when you classify it as, it just muddles it for the people who are actually looking for it. You know, there's a lot of posts on Fishbowl that speak to career coaching from an interview perspective. And in those cases, the feedback usually is like, let me take a look at your resume. Let me do a case study interview with you to see how you present yourself. And you know, to me, that feels a little more robust and transactional. There's a ritual called an interview and there's a ritual called a resume and let's work on these rituals together. I kind of can see that to a degree, but when it comes to the case of Jamie, presentational comms at best, I mean, that's PR, that's communication. I mean, you call yourself a PR comms consultant, not a career coach. If you're a spiritual healer, you're a spiritual healer. If you're a storytelling coach, you're a storytelling coach. Now here's where the danger is. And here's where I understand the coaching perspective. It's a marketplace. You need to make money. Let's say that a, in a coaching career it takes time, man. You're meeting people for hours at a time over Zoom. You're putting together curriculum for them. You're maybe making private label content podcasts for them. You want to fetch the highest rate, and it's playing in the career coach industry. You're drawing that fetches connection. the highest rate because the professional, the consumer in this case, yes. is attempting to purchase a service that they believe is going to add wages to their career, to their job. And if you don't provide those type of services, it's, I almost call it fraud. Yeah, it's misleading. Let's just go back to that. You know what? I'm going to say this right now. I think the professionals 50% at fault for this, maybe more. They're just saying they're buying into this connecting the dots and their only focus is that you're going to make me more money instead of knowing that different educational formats in and of themselves will benefit the individual. And it's your job, as Cindy said, to take the baton and go to the finish line. No, I'll just go back to the university and college model. We live in a, a society, a government that regulates education. Is this learning that's happening between this coach and 
mentee or your mentor or mentee. If it is, then maybe there should be some elements there that are regulated. Now, let me clarify. If we're talking about the case of the CEO, we opened up with a story of those career coaches hunting me down because I have CEO in my LinkedIn title and they they figured they could bill me $1,000 an hour, $2,000 an hour for whatever dreams there's. I'll tell you what. These dream catchers. To teach you leadership through the art of conversation, I believe. It's, it's one I'm thing like. if the CEO buys into this because if you're a CEO worth a dime, you should have the ability to make an informed decision on whether the services you're about to purchase are going to benefit your career or not, whatever. So I'm less concerned about that demographic, but I am concerned about the fresh out of college grad who now has been onboarded remotely, virtually for the last two, three jobs, right? Like we're about to hit three years post this pandemic where it's quite possible if you had a year between each job, you might have been onboarded three new companies virtually. So you have no network to speak of. Your experience of working at a company has been defined by this virtual reality of Zoom and choreograph. We talked about this topic. And so you're in need of a real career coach. In that case, I can see how that professional, young professional is duped and goes into the market and goes on one of these platforms. See, it's like, oh, this is a great career coach, $300 an hour. And then like Jamie gets bamboozled. That's what I'm talking about here. Does the cost and the budget of a coach justify the ROI? And does it maybe come back simply? It depends on the coach. I think the scenario where you're utilizing a coach, even a career coach for applying to a new job, you're basically transitioning from one company to another, or perhaps you're unemployed trying to get a job. I see there's likely ROI in that scenario and landing that next job has immediate increase, substantial increase in wages that you wouldn't have. And that, like, if you just do the math there, you probably can cover the cost of the career coach if they do a decent job in reviewing your resume, helping you prepare for interviews. The situation where I find difficulty finding ROI is the one where you're just trying to better yourself. <laughs> you can go and try to find a boomer who's retired and willing to offer some time on what it took to become an executive salesman and kill sales quotas. And maybe you're a salesperson doing that. There are a lot of mentors who will take on mentees for free and they don't need to be paid. I just feel there are better ways to better yourself emotionally. I would also say if it's an emotional component, you might want to find a therapist, right? Like let's start there. Sure. It feels like a lot of these coaches are just unlicensed therapists to start with. And so if you have a psychological issue or emotional issue, you're probably better off finding a certain seek professional, seek professional help. help in that case. Right. We finally got to it. But it's like, where is that line, right? And I think the line is when you are compromised emotionally or you realize that the majority of help that you need is, and everyone does. I go to therapy once a week. If you have a need for talk therapy or even on a deeper level, psychological right. or seeing a psychiatrist, that is a definite call to action to seek professional help. But you're right. It's a dangerous space where you're relying on someone who doesn't have accreditations or the degrees or the area of study. Before we get to the what happens in the future here. We talked about CEOs and that you're getting hunted. I got to be honest, Matt. I feel like there's this fetish with career coach amongst the ranks of the C-suite executives. Like, do you think? <laughs> no, really. I mean, I know you're saying no, but in my experience- no, It does there, exist. There's a lot yeah. of people who love just talking about that they have a coach. I think the saying, it's lonely at top. And by the way, I don't mean to say I'm at top. I'm just saying in general, that's well-known aphorism. And so if you're an executive at a company, it is a bit lonely in as far as you don't have- you're very careful in who you sound ideas off of, not just business ideas. Sometimes it's just ideas that may put people who report to you in doubt about your leadership. It's like, wait, you're indecisive. Oh, wait, you have doubts about your ability. Uh, and so you need that sounding board, right? And so 
some of these C-suites or executives have replaced therapists with career coaches. I think the optics piece is is probably more of a juvenile young startup CEO who's just kind of claiming that. But for the most part, it's probably more from the other perspective. Well, at the beginning of the, st- the anecdote, Jamie found her career coach because he or she was an influencer. And one thing we've kept tapping into is that influencers have kind of navigated their way into the coaching space for whatever reason, right? You acquire a million followers or millions of views and all that kind of stuff. And all of a sudden now you are moving into the career coaching field. I think the fact that influencers are have, are finding success in the career coach market just speaks to what it means to be a career coach right now, right? So like the skills you have at influencer are about rallying enough people to your message. And by that, you mean choreographed dances. Yeah, choreographed dances. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You were being kind. I was being Yeah, facetious. Yeah, but so there's like a PR comms skill there that the influencer has. Yeah. And so it's a PR comms thing. And that's cool, but call yourself a PR comms consultant because you're not a career coach at 23 years old. I think it's fair. So looking to the future now, can I just quickly tell you what I hope the future is with career coaching? I actually think we can all look to a 1982 TV series by the name of Knight Rider, in which David Hasselhoff, his character, Michael Knight- Every show, we just reinforce our Gen X roots. It's just every show reinforces it. Matt, can't you imagine? You're just talking and getting career advice to Kit- in the car. Listen, we've come full circle. <laughs> I think last show we talked about AI phasing out engineers and the whole slew of different <laughs> jobs. We should have mentioned career coaches right up there. <laughs> That's right. Listen, I think Jamie could be better served in the future because the AI would be drawing on all the real life coaches out there and career coaches who have stuff that's published, right? Or I know it's more difficult now because of this remote work thing, but build a network, find individuals in your career path, similar career journey, befriend them and learn from them. Aside from the actual startup advisors who played a pivotal role helping me kind of understand the lay of the land, I also learned a lot from just other entrepreneurs, right? Entrepreneurs are kind of like comedians where, you know, you empathize with one another the risk reward is crazy, that ratio. And so, yeah, I learned from a lot from entrepreneurs. So old school networking and just finding other professionals who are doing the same thing you're doing in similar careers and learning from them is another way to go. Hey, you made it. Thanks for tuning into The Lonely Office. If you like what you heard, follow us on all major podcast platforms so you don't miss an episode and make sure and tap five stars and leave a review. I know everyone says it, but it actually helps others like you discover the show. Remember, the topics you hear us talk about on the show are sourced from Glassdoor communities where professionals are having candid conversations about their careers anonymously with others in their industry. To be part of that conversation, download the Glassdoor app. And when you're in the app, make sure and join the Lonely Office Bowl. That's where we are. When you're there, you can suggest a topic idea or an episode idea, or you can make it more formal and email us at thelonelyoffice at glassdoor.com. We'll catch you next time. Thank you.